But then along the way, you have process indicators or evidence that's suggesting we're on track. And one of the most important ones is asking the Lord, Lord, are we on track? We love that one. Welcome to another episode of the Mission Guys podcast, where our goal is to help equip you as a leader for transformation in the church. If you are a bishop, priest, or layperson leading in a diocese, parish, school, family, or a mission-driven company, this podcast is for you, and we are your hosts. I'm Nick Jorgensen. And I'm Rick Pop. And if you're new to us, we post episodes on leadership topics and host interviews with leaders just like you, or at least we attempt to host interviews with leaders just like you. Today, we hope to help you as leaders in the church fulfill one of your most important roles, and that is to establish and effectively communicate clarity. Clarity, most importantly, of a vision and of your mission. However, so often we find a lot of confusion surrounding these concepts. And before we go further into this, Nick, let's pray. Sounds great, Ray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you just for the gift of life today, that we could serve you, be called your sons and daughters, and to work in your vineyard. Lord Jesus, we just ask you to um, guide this episode, guide our thoughts and our words, guide your leaders. Jesus, in a particular way, we ask you just to open a space in our minds and hearts to receive something from you so that we can grow in our own clarity personally and collectively as a church for the mission you've entrusted to us, Lord. Holy Spirit, come and uh, give us wisdom. Give us guidance. Give us counsel. And speak counsel, wisdom, and guidance to your leaders so that everyone today can take another step forward in developing clarity for all the people who've been entrusted to their care. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, I'm excited about this one. This one, uh, hard to come by this episode. We've been traveling and we're normally not in the same room as we're not today technology problems when I was in one state and you were in another state. And even when we were in the same state, we <laughs> ran into more technology problems. So here we go. We've, we've tried this one a few times and it's actually going to happen. I'm excited about that. So this is the second in a series. And this series uh, at a high level definition is really about strategy and strategic planning in the church. And it includes a lot of terms that sometimes are bounced around and often confused. And that includes vision, mission, strategy, strategic priorities, objectives, plans, metrics, key process indicators, KPIs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and many more potentially confusing terms that most of us have struggled on on occasion. So in our work, we see, we see these terms used often. We use them often. Uh, we see them at times of different meanings. And so we have decided to do this mini-series. We did our last, the first in the series was on vision. And we have somewhat of a common intro just to set it up. So you're hearing a different one, and we're going to dig into mission today. And so our intention in this series is to bring as much clarity as possible, and it's all within a biblical worldview. And it's all continuing to be, to be docile to the Holy Spirit so that everything we do is informed by prayer and following what God's will is for us. So this, this topic, as Rick just said, is... It's so important because as leaders, one of the things we have to do is break down terms and establish clarity. It's one of the most critical things we do as leaders. So if you're hearing this right now and thinking about, man, I, I am confused by these terms. 
we can't throw them around like we do other terms in the church. So theologically, you might throw around a term that's like transubstantiation. And a lot of people in the pew are like, I have no idea what that means. So in the same way, we have to break down terms that are unfamiliar and complex. We want to break down terms that are familiar and murky. So as we share this with you, just know that like, our disclaimer is these topics, especially vision and mission, are kind of interdependent on one another for clarity. You almost can't talk about one without the other. So we'll go back and forth a little between vision and mission again, but focusing on mission in this particular episode. The other disclaimer maybe I'd like to say, or at least mention, uh, we've worked with several leaders in the church that are really, they, they just do not like even considering what might be viewed as management tools in the church. And then you have others that have had successful maybe business careers and they're working within church leadership and they are thinking that we need almost only management tools and then the church would be healthy. And we're saying neither of those things. We're comfortable saying management tools will not work in the church unless you have a biblical worldview, unless you recognize and that these tools have biblical roots to recognize that these are only tools. If a tool doesn't work, don't use it. It's not a tool. And But if it helps you in the mission, then it's a tool. And lastly, as I've already mentioned, it has to be predicated on prayer. So if that's all there, then these tools, using clarity and using this terminology, and you can use whatever terminology you want. But let us just offer to you, the on the ones that are used most, and, and actually the ones that are confused probably the most, let us do a quick recap of some of the terminology. Our last episode, the first in this series, was on vision. And so vision, in a nutshell, is a view of a new place, a destination. It's a different place than where we are now. It's a place we arrive after we've been successful on our mission, or after multiple missions, each of which brings us closer to that vision. You know, it's called that place we are shooting for. And through successful missions, in other words, our actions, our work, our calling, we ultimately achieve this place. Ultimately. And that place will probably outlive us. You know, the longer term vision will probably outlive us. As, as leaders in the church, it's incumbent upon us to pray and discern the place to which the Lord is calling us. We must ask him to show us what does this place look like? Where is it? Who is there? What are people doing there in that vision? How are they behaving? What are the fruits in that place? And so on. So this is not a vision statement, although from this vision, a pithy, succinct vision statement can be developed. So that was the last episode. That's vision, but that's a reminder of what we're considering vision. And if you're listening to this uh, and you can take notes, or maybe re-listen to this part, take notes. Writing some of these things down definitionally is going to help you categorize them in your mind. Like those questions are great vision questions, and they really help you say, okay, this is what we mean when we say vision. Now, continuing to build clarity on these different terms, mission, mission is the call and the plan or plans to get to that vision of success. So the mission is clarity on what we're going to do, how we're going to succeed. It's this a level down from vision that really just drives action to try accomplish that vision, which we may never accomplish, like Rick just said. So a reminder, the mission then is how you're getting there. The vision is that 
that goal that you're trying to achieve, you can picture it. That's what they call vision. It's seeing you. Can, can I see it? And again, last episode, there's a mission challenge there that you can, uh, that you can really do an exercise. Another definition to ground ourselves. You'll hear metrics. You'll hear about indicators. You'll hear about markers. Any of these terms, whatever you use, they answer the important question. How do we know? So in other words, how do we know if we've arrived at our vision of success? How do we know if our plans are working? How do we know if we're achieving what God has called us to do? Now, some of these indicators are measurable and they are objective. Some, but most aren't. Most are not easy to measure, but they're more observable. Perhaps we view that as evidence. So what's the evidence of progress? What's the evidence of success? And maybe not, it's a, not necessarily a measure of success. So two related terms that we want to highlight are, there are indicators of the ultimate arrival, the ultimate, maybe they're called result indicators or the evidence of getting to the vision, the end state. But then along the way, you have process indicators or evidence that's suggesting we're on track. And one of the most important ones is asking the Lord, Lord, are we on track? We love that one. Very simple. Goals, targets, objectives, you'll hear all that. So goals are, where are you going? They could be interim goals, interim targets, interim objectives. What are we trying to accomplish in this step that is part of the broader mission, which ultimately gets you to that vision? And then strategy is our last term, just to really ground all of this. This is an all-encompassing term, strategy. Some people... Some people use it in a broad sense. Some people use strategy in a precise sense. In this context, we're saying the broad definition of strategy is an all-encompassing term that includes vision and mission and metrics and goals and targets and all of these things. And strategy fundamentally is about making decisions, deciding what are these things, the vision, the strategy, the goals, all that stuff. And in the church, strategy is really about making decisions according to God's plan, his will. It's giving him the initiative saying, Father, it's your church. Show us your plans for the fruit of the mission of your church. So now let's start this deep dive into mission. So mission defined is the clarity on what we are going to do and how we're going to succeed. It's our effort to accomplish that vision that we have. We don't want to complicate this. Some would say detailed plans are included in the mission. Some would say they're not included in the mission. They're more your tactics. Don't get hung up on those kinds of things. Mission is in order to get us closer to that vision, is to move us. So let's just give, a, give an example here. A vision for like a nation would be peace and safety for our people, right? Of course, we know as Christians that solely belongs to God and in the end when he comes back. But we can, we can establish relative peace and safety for our people. So that's our vision. But the mission is we need to win the war for peace and safety because there's, there's violent war taking place. So the mission is win the war which is a step towards this vision of peace and safety. Now, we're still going to have problems, even with this mission being accomplished. We win the war. We're still going to have some hatred, and you'll have some violence, you'll have some problems, but it won't, you'll rubble to clean up, but it won't be the same as the violent state and lack of safety in that war. So mission, win the war. It's a major mission towards peace. Right, and and, and you're right. Just winning a war is not going to establish peace and safety. After a war, there's still, yeah, there's still that fallout. There's still hatred. And so there's still more work to do, but that's a major mission. The mission in this case, win the war 
this vision of peace and safety. You're going to get closer to it. You may have elements of that vision uh, in actuality. I like that, right? And then you'll have some submissions, right? Just to paint the picture here. So again, visions, peace, and safety. The missions win the war. Submissions might look like a pilot flying a specific mission. Marines taking a strategic military stronghold. Those are submissions, and those are all good and a part of the mission. But just establishing clarity here. Here's one that I'd love to share. I was I was recently working with a leadership team, and and they spent some time. On John F. Kennedy's speech in 1962, he spoke at Rice University in Texas, and uh, and it was his speech. It's classic. So if you haven't heard it, it, it is a great, great speech for a couple of reasons. It is also fulfilling the other role of great leadership is effectively communicating, effectively communicating. So it's the what, it's the why, it's the encouragement, it's the it's the motivational aspect of it. Just wonderful. Just wonderful. Makes me a little bit long for the days when you had political leaders that were, you know, inspirational speakers. So, but I won't go there, Nick. We won't go there. Um, <laughs> so, in in casting this vision effectively, President Kennedy at the time he he described this vision. So certainly, and this is where Nick mentioned you'll get some intersection between the vision and the mission. You know, it's not all just distinct. Oh, that's vision and that's mission. And sometimes we're involved in discussions where people are really debating, well, that should be part of the vision. That's part of the mission. And it's like, hey, if there's an intersection there, so what? It's fine. Again, as long as it's helping you clearly that one is a vision of where you're going to get. And then the other one is the mission, the calling and how you're going to get there. OK, so President Kennedy described and, and I never really, really pictured it this way. So we all know we're going to put a man on the moon, right? We're going to the moon. Some would say that's a vision, a man on the moon. It's a vision. Some would say, well, that's the mission, get a man on the moon. And I'd say you're both right. But the vision is so much broader. In his speech, he talked about American pride. He talked about American leadership in the world. American confidence. So the confidence of all the population, right, of all the citizens, that we're going to come from behind. He described how we are behind right now. You know, we're behind Russia. We're behind other countries and we're going to come from behind. And he specifically said we're going to beat Russia. His vision included, this is good versus evil. He said somebody's going to take space. Somebody will. But, and it could be used for good and it could be used for evil. And it's going to be a force. He said it's going to be a force for good or a force for evil. And we are good. You know, and, and we need to be there, right? The space will be filled with freedom and peace, not weapons and hot, a hostile flag. We'll have knowledge gained, you know, by however we're going to get there, by putting a man on the moon. We'll have knowledge gained. We'll have peaceful cooperation. We'll have new knowledge and peace. So certainly a man standing on the moon, a part of it, but it's so much bigger than that. So he painted this vision. That it's like, wow, that I want to be at that place. I want to help get to that place. And also in the speech, he talks about the mission. And, and famously, he said, we choose to go to the moon, not because it's easy, but because it's hard. Of course, he said hard because it's from <laughs> you know, East Coast. But, you know, it's like we choose to go to the moon. Now, in the church leadership, it's we're called, whatever we're called to. What's our version of going to the moon? in order to establish the Lord's vision of peace and harmony. And then he went further. And he went further to talk about the mission. He said, we have no real choice. 
We must do this. So that's a calling. When you don't have any choice, we must do this. That's a calling. And he said it's achievable despite the unknown. You know, he talked about we're going to do this in 10 years. And he didn't live, obviously. He died the next year. So even his mission outlived him. And certainly the vision, and the vision may never be attained. Or we may be successful on one mission, but we haven't achieved leadership and confidence. You know, look, we're struggling with confidence right now as a country. But he was specific to a certain degree in the speech he talks about, we are going to step on the moon by the end of the decade and come home safely. We're going to bring those astronauts home safely without war, using the latest technology, much of which is not even invented yet. You know, in Houston, Texas, at Rice, the science and technology communities will grow. There'll be investment. There'll be buildings. You know, this rocket will be made out of alloys that we don't even know of today. It'll measure the best of our abilities. The other thing he did in his speech, which I thought was beautiful, is he talked about all this is a cost. There's cost into buildings. There's cost into the technology. And then he said, and it, it amounts to a lot of money. He said the amount, I can't remember the amount. But he said it, it, it'll amount to about 50 cents per person per week. Not nearly the cost we spend for cigars and cigarettes. You know, it was really cool the way he laid that out. So I use that as an example where it's you, it's clear the vision that he painted, the vision of success is a lot more than a man standing on the moon, but it included a man standing on the moon. So that's where that overlap can happen. And like Nick said, don't get caught up on is that mission, is that vision? It's like, does it provide clarity? Do you see where you're trying to get? And the mission, it's like, does it show what we need to do? Does it describe our calling? Rick, I love this example because in our work with leaders, so often we're like, make that concrete for me, make it real. What's that look like played out? How do you, and then people get into this place of, how do we turn our vision and mission into a narrative? Here's a great moment. Here's a great leadership moment where a leader is standing before his country, casting a vision and a mission to rally the people together. And to be sure, not everybody in America at that time, I mean, I wasn't there, but everything I've read about it was not united in this, like, this is a great idea. This is a great vision for our country right now. But the act of leading, sharing a narrative, casting it, and then driving toward it. And it happened. We went to the moon. Man landed on the moon. The astronauts came back safely. All of that, the belief went up because it's like, wow, we actually, we actually accomplished what we set out to do. And so this, the, the principle here we want to give to you from JFK is you can do this. You can cast a vision. You can have a mission. You can narrate it. And you can, you can do it ambitiously. And not everyone's going to agree with it initially. But if it's of God in the church context, if it's of God, and it is by praying and hearing him on it, then it's so worth doing. I mean, this is, this is America, a great nation, but that's nothing in compared to the mission of the church. So just as a leader, just step back and say, okay, if JFK can do this, I can do this too. Because God, because God wants it more in me than I want it in me. Nick, humor me and let me do one other example. I was privileged to be part of the leadership team when the company was going through almost becoming bankrupt, kind of 2006, 2007, 2008. And when we had Alan Mulally hired as the CEO, and I was able to be part of, but more importantly, witness a transformation in leadership in the secular world in this case, obviously. 
and what Alan and his team did. And, and his team was a team that was really strong, but he insisted it be strong. He made moves as soon as he became our CEO. He made moves of those who may have been brilliant, and they were. Some just weren't great team players because that was part of both the mission and the vision. And he described and they described that that vision, that the vision included one goal. It was, it was known as the one Ford plan. It was one team, one plan, and one goal. And the, the one team he described, it was on a little card. We all carried as a badge on our, it was a badge of honor and it was a badge just with our security badges to get into buildings. And it was described, it was very clear. It said people working together as a lean global enterprise for automotive leadership as measured by, and it was as measured by the satisfaction of customers, employees, dealers, investors, suppliers, and the unions. So all that satisfaction mattered, but it's people working together. So that was part of this vision. He envisioned, they envisioned people working together as a lean global enterprise for automotive leadership. They had one goal, an exciting, viable for delivering profitable growth for all. And there's more meaning behind that, but that was it. And so that the, the investors, the unions, the customers, the employees, the community grew. It was about profitable growth for all. And then they were real clear on the plan. And the plan had four key elements to it. And it was the mission, our mission. It was to aggressively restructure to operate profitably. It was to accelerate the development of new products that customers want and value. It was to finance the plan and improve the balance sheet. And again, it was to work together effectively as one team. That's our mission. Part of the mission was including expected behaviors. Now, expected behaviors is part of both the vision of success and the mission. So as you're thinking in your parish, in your school, it's like you may list your apostolic values or your mission values and it's it's like, this is how we should behave. And maybe you behave most of the time like that now, but you're constantly trying to get better, to more consistently behave that way. And so that vision is that everybody behaves that way consistently. Your mission is to develop each other so that we get better at behaving that way the whole way. The punchline in all that was that clarity of mission that didn't change every year, that didn't change, you know, the flavor of the month that was, you know, expected to be called that it turned profitability from a $14 billion loss to record profits for quarter after quarter after quarter after quarter for about six years. It was just unbelievable. And it was culture that drew, that drove that change. Certainly, we had to make the right strategic calls on technology. But more important than that, even more important was that, that people had to be working together, had to be aligned on the vision of success and the mission that they were called to do. Great. Those are just great, great examples that I think, you know, should should really help people in that definition of what's the vision of success and the mission or the calling in order to get you going that way. Yeah, the goal here is to try and make it practical, you know, and and also encourage you. If, I mean, if Ford Motor Company, Alan Mulally could do this with, what, 300,000 employees in the face of a $14 billion shortfall um, and accomplish that shortfall. It just the point is to say to you, your pastor, you're a school leader, you're a bishop, you're you know a leader in a diocese or an organization. It's we can do this. We can make complex things become simple enough to drive alignment and to to organize ourselves and our resources to accomplish the mission God's given us. 
It, it's so important to do it. It's so important to do it. And I would say, and we're, we're consistently saying that in the church, we should be the best leaders in the world. We should be. No doubt. We should be the best leaders in the world, right? Because not only does it make sense business-wise to work together, we're commanded to. So forget business, forget profitability. It's like we are commanded to love each other, to work together. It's not only, so, oh, so that we can make some money. No, no, no. It's we're commanded to because because we we receive even more than we give when we love others. Yeah, I love that. And and we are called to make disciples of all nations. And we are we are called to lessen so that he may increase. We we decrease so that he increases, right? So we just have all that it would take to be aligned on mission. We're, our mission has to be a subset of the Great Commission anyway, right? So it's not like we have to really figure out what's our business model. It's like now we have to figure out our sense of the of the pie through discernment. And discernment is different than deciding. Discernment is following the Lord's will. And there's a process of discernment. And it's not only the big discernment of what's my vocation? Are we going to have children? Am I going to get married? Am I going to be a priest? Am I going to be religious? It's discernment on every aspect of what we do. The more we can be in Christ and discerning, it's a way of life. And it's part of the mission and it's part of that vision of success. Get me fired up. I mean, we we have, as, as, as leaders in the church, as disciples of Jesus, we have the infinitely unfair, super competitive advantage. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit living within us. I mean, this isn't this isn't like, hey, let's rely on human planning and wisdom like the secular world. We have the we have God Himself on our side. If He is with us, who can stand against us? All right, all right, we're preaching, but it's, this is fun. Amen. Okay, so let's get into the mission and vision of Jesus, just to keep trying to bring clarity here. Now, let's make it even more practical for a church context, okay? We would say the vision of Jesus is humanity restored to the Father. Jesus was all about the Father. The world recreated to perfection. Jesus said, I am one with the Father. His oneness with the Father is the vision actually happening right now. Every disciple being one with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is the vision. We are made new. No more devil, no more sin, no more death, no more pain, no more tears. That's the vision. We talked about that last time, Revelations 21. And so the mission, in order to get to that vision, we'd say for Jesus, comes from 1 John 3, 8. The reason the Son of Man appeared, the reason Jesus Christ appeared, was to destroy the works of the devil. Sin, death, Satan, hell, and all that comes with it. Jesus' mission is this restoration, making us new and destroying all the works of the devil. Now, his mission, it also included, you know, dying, of course, to destroy death, to defeat the devil. His mission included founding the church. And so in all of this, Jesus' defeat of Satan and then sending us the Holy Spirit to recreate us, to empower us, is to continue his mission. So now the mission looks like this. Jesus continuing his mission is in us and through us. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit. So it's his work we're doing through his power. And that's the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Matthew 28 is now our marching orders. That's why it says commission. It's It's about the word mission. Jesus passing it to us. And so this work's continued by you, by me, by the people entrusted to our care, to make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. This is the vision and mission for all of us. 
Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. That that longer, longer, longer term vision, oneness, oneness. Jesus is one with the Father, in unity with the Holy Spirit, and yet we're not all one with Him yet. That vision is that every disciple, as you mentioned, is one with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Now we we go in and out at times now, but we still have sin, we still have pain, we still have death. So that. That longer term, that vision, that oneness, to be restored, to be made new, is that vision. And then well, Jesus has begun the making new by rising, by coming out of that tomb, by starting the church. I make all things new. He's begun the recreation. And that's the Great Commission is go do it. Teach teach everything I've taught you. Make disciples of all of all nations. And, and so even let's, let's talk about a parish, for example. So just had a chance to meet with some great people from a couple parishes in, in Ohio. And uh, yeah, good things can come out of Ohio, too. <laughs> they said, hey, our, our mission statement, and this is not about a mission statement, but from, as we mentioned, from this clarity of mission, you can create a statement that helps you communicate it. But they had something as simple as make disciples and disciple makers in our parish community. It wasn't those words, but that was essentially it. It says, our mission is to make disciples and to make disciple makers in our parish community. And that, that is a mission that's going to get you closer to this, this all things made new. And they still have a lot of work to make sure that it's clear. What does that look like? You know, what, what, what do you really mean? What is a disciple? What is a disciple maker? What do you even define as our parish community? What do we mean by make? Or a school, for example, a school could say, you know, our mission is to form families on mission by teaching all that Jesus taught. All right, and that, that could be that mission. That's our mission. That's our mission. It's helping us all get to that greater vision, that vision of, of being restored and families. Imagine families being stronger. But what does form mean? How do we even define families these days? with all the craziness trying to redefine families. And so this forming families on mission, what did Jesus teach and how do we effectively do that? So, and, and then, and then down the road, you can, as Nick mentioned, you could get, uh, you could get a, a, you know, a purist, a strategy purist or a, theor, a theoretical purist, I would say, and then the plans, the detailed plans, and then the, the more detailed plans and all that, that might not be considered part of mission. That could be considered part of plan. Others might say, well, part of our mission includes all the detailed planning, whatever works for you, whatever works for you, because you just need to know where you're going and you need to know the calling. The calling, right? The, the the sight of the Lord, where are we headed? And the calling he's put on that what is our mission, given all the gifts we've been given, given the weapons we've been given to go to battle against the evil. Rick, I love that. And I, and I love in a particular way, just this, the clarity you're trying to bring to a parish or a school, you know, to break down terms, make things really clear, really aligned. And yet we know despite all the great efforts we make as leaders, just don't get discouraged by this. It's just acknowledging reality. Nothing is going to be 100% clear, 100% certain. That's part of leadership. It's, it's deciding, specifically discerning in the church, and deciding as best as we can and, and, and going, taking risks. We won't see things perfectly, but we can achieve greater clarity, greater alignment. And then all of our resources can go the same direction. And when your entire parish, school, diocese, when your mission-driven organization, when your family 
aligns on these things. You get this, you get this, get the Holy Spirit wind in your sails so that your ship, your entity can just sail with the power of God before you, taking care of people, evangelizing, making disciples. We, we, we guarantee you, if you put the time and energy into these things, it's going to be worth it. You're going to reap fruit. It's going to be even better than it is now. Now, we want to close before the mission challenge with a quote uh, from Venerable Francis Xavier. He's a Vietnamese martyr, and I don't want to butcher his last name, so I'm not going to say it. So, our, our, <laughs> I was wondering where you're going to go on that. <laughs> you know, our dear friend, Venerable good. Francis Xavier. Good move, Xavier. good move. I'm going to read this quote from him. And the temptation when we read on, on episodes is that we like check out. So I'm just going to read as best as I can. I hope you can really try and engage and listen because this is just so powerful and it's right at the heart of what we're talking about. I like your transparency. You're a good man. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. Thanks. <laughs> or inept. Okay, here we go. <laughs> he said in this prayer to the Lord, you have entrusted me with a mission, Lord, and you invite me to take responsibility by sharing in your redemptive work. Everything comes about through your infinite love. At the same time, everything also depends on my response. I must be conscious of the greatness of the mission entrusted to me, which is nothing less than Jesus' mission. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Lord, for me, your name is Savior. I have consecrated all my life for this mission, salvation. In your footsteps, I am Savior for the people of the present time. Grant that my whole life may be penetrated by the greatness of this mission. To fulfill my mission, I must pray, be prepared, act, collaborate, and observe. Your example, Jesus, is always before me. You accomplished your mission on Calvary, sacrificing your life for it. Yes, the mission you have given me is worthy of all my strength in my entire life because it involves the love of God and the love of my brothers and sisters. I must love with all my spirit, with all my strength, with all my soul, with all myself. Because what I do without passion is destined to fail. Success depends on the absoluteness of my commitment, all for my mission. Once I have completed my mission, I will be at peace. Lord, I entrust to you what has yet to be done. This is my mission as well. That is fantastic. I really recommend that people, you know, Google that one, even even have that one hanging in your office. You may even want to have, you know, it's almost like a commitment contract that maybe we have something like that written up and just sign off on it and say, I'm in. Mm. I'm in. Once you discern your mission together, once you once you get there, maybe it's something like this that just says, you know, Jesus, we trust in you and we trust that you spoke to us and I'm all in. Beautiful stuff. I'm glad, I'm glad you grabbed that one, Nick. So let's go to the mission challenge. So here's our mission challenge for you. It's very similar to the vision mission challenge we did in the last episode. And we, we, we find it to be very helpful. So we're going to ask you to have two prayer sessions again. These two prayer sessions might come back to back at an offsite, or these two prayer sessions might be one week after another. But you need to give some, you don't want to hurry these prayer sessions. So you have two prayer sessions. So the first prayer session is you're going to get together and you're going to take it to the Lord and you're going to ask, what is our part of the Great Commission? What are you calling us to do? 
You're going to ask, how are we to arrive at the vision of success that you have shown us? So this is, this is assuming you've done the vision exercise first. And again, it's not only a statement, but from this discernment, you can create a pithy and clear statement that is helpful in communication. So that first prayer session about mission is asking the Lord, what is our part? Whether it's in the school, whether it's an apostolate, whether it's in a region, you're at a parish, a diocese, what is our part of that great commission? What are you calling us to do? That's that's the first prayer session. Give it time. Give it an hour. Take notes in your prayer session. Come back. Share what you think you heard. Keep working. You're driving. You're discerning, ultimately, what is our mission from which you can get and communicate effectively. That's number one. When ready, again, it could be at an off-site. It could be in the same day, the next day, the next week. But when ready, you do that second prayer session. And now you're going deeper dives you know, deeper dives over the next couple years. So this isn't the, the long-term mission, you know, that might outlast us. It like, it may out, it may, like John Kennedy, it may outlast us, but it's that longer-term mission that at least will be down the road some way. It could be 20 years. It could be 30 years. It might be even longer than that. But now you're going to go to the second prayer session and you're going to go a deeper dive and you're considering over the next couple years. You know, and you, you, you pick the timing, but it's like, Lord, over the next few years, how will we succeed in your mission for us? What's most important right now? Who is to do what? What am I personally called to do in light of the larger mission here? So you're getting deeper. You're getting more near term. It's kind of like this subordinate mission that Nick mentioned, you know, this sub-mission. It's not submission, but it's this this next level of mission that is like, you know, over the next couple of years, it's going to help us with that larger mission. Again, how will we succeed in your mission for us? What's most important right now? So how will we succeed over the next few years? What's most important right now? Who is to do what? And what am I personally called to do in light of this larger mission? That's our mission challenge. So it's a mission challenge about missions. So we don't overdo the word, but it just so happens that's what we call this portion of our of our podcast. So Nick, I know maybe we got a little bit long on this, but I loved it. I think we touched on some good things and hopefully everybody out there it, it found some value and perhaps it's time for you to close us in prayer. Rick, thank you for that. I, it was a little long, but it, hopefully really helpful. We tried our best to go practical at this, to prayerfully make this practical. The mission challenge, that's a big one that Rick just outlined. That's, that, that takes some serious time and serious prayer sessions, real time and over the years. I'm going to, I'm committed that I'm going to take an outline version of what Rick just shared as the mission challenge and put it in the show notes. So if you're like, wow, that was a lot. Great. It's worth doing. We're going to put it in the show notes. It won't be verbatim what Rick said, but it'll be a good outline of what he said so that you can take that to prayer. You can take it in, into, your, um, into your team sessions. All right, let's close in prayer today. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, again, we just thank you and praise you. Thank you for being good and faithful despite us. We just ask you, Father, to do that which only you can, to send the Holy Spirit through your Son, Jesus, to fill the leaders listening to this now with encouragement, with vision, with mission, and the commitment and conviction that this is worth doing. This is worth the challenge. This is worth doing so that your people, Father, that you've entrusted to us can align to be together 
to be united in that mission to make disciples of all nations. So come, Holy Spirit, renew the hearts and minds of your leaders. Those who are hurting the most right now, Holy Spirit, we ask you to bring healing and encouragement to them. And we ask you, Holy Mother, to just protect us all, drive the enemy far away. We pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Nick. As you were praying, I just felt the, the need to just share our gratitude. And I think the Lord has asked me to say this, just our gratitude for each of you for saying yes to your leadership, for saying yes to the mission that he's, that he's called you to go on and to, to live the Great Commission. So just, just thank you. Thank you for all that you, the storms that you weather for our church, for his church. I really appreciate that. I love that. Yes. Yes, I love that, Rick. Well, we thank you all so much for being a part of this episode and inviting us to be a part of your leadership journey. If this is helpful for you, we should please share it with someone else. Share it with another leader, a friend. We all need encouragement, support, and help right now. You are in our prayers. Please truly keep us in yours. And in the words of St. Junipero Serra, our patron saint, always forward. Forward.